Welcome to the conversation at airsafe.com with your host, Dr. Todd Curtis. This is show number 45, interview on the Don Shelby Show on WCCO Radio in Minneapolis. This interview, from April 3, 2008, was about the issues surrounding the congressional hearings into the FAA's oversight of airline maintenance and operations. Don Shelby is the host of the show, and we covered several topics, including the risks passengers may face as a result of recent maintenance problems, and issues around airline maintenance that is outsourced to companies outside of the U.S. This show was first broadcast by airsafe.com on April 7, 2008. The FAA is not supposed to work in necessarily together with the airlines. They're not in the business to help the airlines. They're in the business to regulate the airlines. There are a couple of whistleblowers appearing before Congress today. And a Minnesotan, uh, James Oberstar from the 8th District, is the uh, head of the Transportation Committee, and he's looking into it. He said today that the issues raised by the inspectors represented, quote, the most egregious lapse of safety I've seen in 23 years. He went on to say the FAA would have us believe that what took place was an isolated incident. But he said the testimony we have heard substantiates that this is not an isolated aberration attributable to a rogue individual, but rather this was a systematic breakdown of the safety oversight role of the FAA. Thank you very much for being with us. This is Don Shelby. And uh, we turn, as we often do, to uh, one of the uh, foremost authorities on the aviation industry in the country, Todd Curtis. Dr. Todd Curtis is with us today. Doctor, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me again. So what are we worried about? Uh, and, and when I say worried, I'm talking from a journalistic perspective, not from a flight safety uh, perspective. We'll talk about that later. What are we worried about uh, the FAA is alleged to not have done? Well, fundamentally, it boils down to the FAA is accused of not having done its role of overseeing the maintenance, the safety, the operation of the nation's air transportation system. Is that because they're understaffed, or is that because they're in league with the airlines? It seems as though the claims that are being made by Oberstar and others is that it's the latter, that there's too close a relationship, that the folks who have the responsibility of saying no to the airlines have said yes when they should have said no. Now, we've seen in the past there have been some allegations of pencil whipping by mid-management people that was uh, looked sort of askance uh, by the FAA in order to get the planes on the line. The Maybe the mechanic wasn't finished with the job. Uh, supervising uh, person in management uh, signed off on it over the mechanic's signature, and uh, the plane was put on the runway, maybe not fit for air travel. Um, and the FAA did not stop that from happening. Is that the kind of thing that was going on in individual instances, or are we talking about something more systemic, and that is uh, overlooking uh, a full schedule of inspections? Well, the claim is that there's a systemic problem in overlooking inspections, but the straw that broke the camel's back, at least the latest round of allegations and controversy, is the case of Southwest. Here was a situation where there was a very clearly defined airworthiness directive which the airline has to follow, legally has to follow. Yeah. And they didn't follow it. And as a result, you have these aircraft flying for roughly 1,500 flights with potential cracks in the fuselage. Now, they did not, uh, they did not uh, act on the AD, the Airworthiness Directive. Um, whose responsibility is it to see that they do follow that directive? Well, it goes beyond that. Uh, what happened was they didn't act on it in the time frame where they were supposed to. And the moment they found out that they didn't act on it. They should have grounded the aircraft that were affected. What happened was the FAA person who was over Southwest allowed them to keep flying after Southwest was aware of their mistake. Dr. Curtis, can you stay with us a moment? We have to take a commercial break. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion.
Certainly. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Todd Curtis, one of the foremost authorities, and uh, you can go to his website at airsafe.com, part of the airsafe.com foundation, um, and we'll be back with him in just a few moments. Talking about uh, airline safety, that's uh, been a big question in the news recently, and we have a Minnesota connection because the head of the Transportation Committee for the United States Congress, of course, is 8th District Congressman Jim Oberstar, and he's uh, flabbergasted by what he has heard today from a couple of whistleblowers. But we go to an independent voice, and that is Dr. Todd Curtis out of Princeton and Texas at MIT, and... um, uh, he is the uh, founder of airsafe.com, which is a great website you can go to uh, if you've got a fear of flying or if you want to know more about the industry, if you want to know more about the security. This is a, a great resource uh, for you. Uh, Dr. Curtis, we know that Southwest Airlines is one, but we, there is also mention of three others, but they aren't mentioned. Do you know who they are? No, and uh, none of my sources have been able to uh, reveal that uh, piece, of, piece of data. Uh, and there would be no way to go into the FAA files. I'm not asking you to do that. But uh, would you presume Congress knows? Well, I'm pretty sure that Congress knows exactly who they are right now. All right. Now, what does what is the curative for all of this? One, of course, is grounding and inspecting planes that uh, have not uh, followed the airworthiness directives. The other, then, will be sanctioning those FAA inspectors that allowed that to happen. But if if Oberstar is right about a systemic problem, this seems like a full-blown investigation because Oberstar was very clear. If this evidence that was presented today before Congress were presented to a grand jury, that indictments would follow. Well, certainly one part of what has to be done is being done right now. That is, the issue is being brought to light and being brought to light in a very big way. And as Oberstar has said, he doesn't intend this to be a one-time affair. He intends to have further hearings and take further action until there's some re- resolutions to this problem. Are, should we be uh, concerned as the flying public? As far as the risk of flying on the aircraft, I don't think so. Because one thing that is clear, at least in the initial part of the safety audit that was mandated by the FAA, the problems that have come up have been largely compliance, paperwork-related problems, not problems with the aircraft being unairworthy not problems with maintenance, not doing the job to the point of putting people at risk. That hasn't happened yet, and I don't see it happening. I don't see any big changes happening unless they uncover problems of those natures. Because the FAA will oftentimes, when they do find that there are violations, will say in their uh, uh, findings that they report to uh, um, uh, both the FAA and then files go to the National Transportation Safety Board, uh, they will say, endangered the flying public. Now, uh, we read that and we get terribly frightened. But is that a catch-all phrase that that uh, doesn't really say as much as we need to know? It, it doesn't, really. You have to look further into it to see whether it's imminent danger, that is, the aircraft was literally at risk of flying the next time it takes off, or whether it's somewhat more of a subtle, subtle problem, that is, a higher likelihood of a particular kind of problem manifesting itself. Some failure, some failure that may, may not necessarily be catastrophic. That's correct. In most cases, uh, even if a major system fails, because there's redundancies both in the way the aircraft is designed and in the procedures used to fly the aircraft, even a major system failure will not necessarily take down an airplane. Now, the $64,000 question for you, Dr. Curtis, is whether the airlines may have been put into position of not following through on these uh, big inspections that were ordered by the FAA and scheduled by the FAA because the cost of fuel has been so extreme and such uh, uh, a hit to the bottom line. I can just speak for Northwest Airlines as one example. Doug Steenland said the other day 
the increased cost of fuel just this year will cost an additional $1.7 billion to keep his aircraft in the air. So uh, could the uh, inspections, cutting back, not doing them, have anything to do with the pressure of the economy? I don't think so, and that's due in part to research that I have myself done over the last uh, 10 to 15 years or so. Back when I was in graduate school, one of the things that my professor, Arnold Barnett at MIT, and I looked at was the question of, is there any evidence over the previous, at that time, 15 years of maintenance and finances of the aircraft having anything to do with one another? And we could not find anything that pointed to a relationship between the two. Now, now you and I would agree, but we'd also have to agree that that's 15 years ago. Um, and that was when the unions were extremely strong. That's when um, aircraft maintenance uh, individuals, uh, power plant and airframe people, had this uh, sense of duty to the flying public, and they knew their names were on the inspection cards. So much is being outsourced today uh, that maybe there may be only one supervisory personnel in there, and we don't have control over who may be doing the, the, the heavy inspections. Well, that's certainly a concern because right now, as you just stated, Outsourcing is a very big thing, and not just outsourcing to companies in the U.S. There are companies overseas, which are totally vetted by the FAA, which are certified by the FAA. But bottom line, these are folks who are outside of the United States who are doing maintenance for U.S. aircraft. And they may not face the same kind of fear or same kind of pressure that someone stateside would. You know, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I, I hope that uh, the flying public will uh, avail themselves of your website, and that's airsafe.com. It's very nice to have you with us, Dr. Curtis. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for giving me a chance to come, uh, come you, by again. You bet. Bye-bye. For additional information and other resources related to the issues discussed in this show, please visit faa.airsafe.org. There you'll find links to related resources and links to other resources related to airline safety and security. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.